welcome to the first episode of Grace Unscripted. I'm your host, Ben Falkenberg. Thanks for joining me as we dig into the lives of God's people and see how he's moving outside the walls of the church building. Today, I am joined by Lori Rodman. And Lori's just a beautiful person with an incredible heart for the Lord and for others. She's got a lot going on. We got to sit and chat about her life, and it's busy. She's a mother of four. She's a homeschool director and a pastor's wife. We got to talk a lot about her Lebanese background and how her awesome family came around her and really helped mold her into a lifelong follower of Jesus. You know, one of the funniest parts about this is I actually met her her parents a couple weeks after I sat down with her. And uh, we were at a wedding, and I met her dad. And he is just as big of a boss as I expected him to be. So I had fun meeting him, and I had a lot of fun talking with Lori. So thanks for checking us out. I hope you enjoy our conversation, and welcome to Grace Unscripted. Lori, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm I'm doing great. I've been looking forward to this one. Uh, just pumped to get you on here. I know you're a busy mom, so we appreciate your time. You doing good today? I am. Ryan's off today. He's on the roof roofing. So He's I, roofing your house? He's roofing my house today. Wow. That's impressive. Yep. I We just had our roof done. I can't imagine doing that. It was, a, I kid you not, it was 97 degrees when they roofed our house. It's dangerous. And we took the girls out and like gave them popsicles because we we're like, this is, I feel so bad for these people. But that kudos to ryan what he's a man got, he's got help so he's doing the roof he loves his wood he's that's yep. ridiculous he's just a man's man he huh. is he well is. we're we're pumped for you to be here um are you nervous a little bit yeah, yeah don't be nervous it's just me you and eddie and <sighs> I don't know, they can't see us anyway right. they just hear us they can hear us who knows maybe 10 people listen to this anyway <laughs> okay great that'll make me feel better all right well hey um in the process of figuring all this out we we're we we're kind of chatting like who do we want to bring on here like what do we want this podcast to look like and one of the things I, I piped up right away was like, I want some of the pastor's wives on here. I think that'd be an awesome opportunity to sit down with them, um, kind of see what their lives look like. And for whatever reason, when, when I had that in my mind, you were kind of the, the vision in my mind. I was like, like Lori Rodman. And uh, I think that's probably because I, I kind of know you a little bit. Like a lot of the pastor's wives, I wouldn't really even know them if I saw them. Sure, but yeah. I know you a little bit enough that I would, I see you all the time. I feel like every Sunday I see you in the lobby and I'm like, hey, how's it going? Um, but still for the most part, like to me, and I'm assuming to a lot of other people here, you're yeah. Pastor Ryan's wife. Um, but there's a lot more to you than just being Ryan Rodman's wife. I mean, you're, you're Lori Rodman and you're your own person. And, uh, so that's, that's kind of my goal here. I, I hope that in this time together that we can give the listeners uh, a glimpse into your heart and your passions and your life, because it's, I get the sense that we can learn a lot from you. And so that's the goal. Does that sound fun to you? Sounds great. All right. Well, I want to get started right away um, just talking about your childhood Your childhood here because you have a little bit of a unique story in the fact that both of your or your or your father is Lebanese. Right. Right. So your father, his family's Lebanese. Your, your mom is not. But I know that from hearing Ryan talk about it before, that shaped your childhood a little bit. Yeah, it's definitely a huge part of my childhood and uh, my experience growing up. Uh, it was very culturally normal to have tons of people either staying with us or just popping in and out of our house all the time. So just like slumber parties all the time. Yeah, That's... or in like extended family or, hey, these guys are in town for a while or, hey, so-and-so is coming to dinner. Always, always tons of people in our home and then that was just totally normal that is us. really different I think that yeah. is that's and like, very open door policy yeah. they just show up it's pre-cell phone you know so just whoever was around was around at all times always tons and tons of food and feeding people was a huge part of 
um, my cultural background. That's really interesting. Now, have you ever been to Lebanon? Nope. You well, we've seen it. We looked over when we were in Israel. We okay, so you have been to Israel. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. little geography lesson. I looked this up. I, I thought I, I I was right. I knew where it was because north of Israel. So it's yeah, north yeah. of Israel, and to the right, to the east of it is Syria. Yep. Right. So it's right there yep. in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. You still have family there. They do have family there. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. But but for the most part, you've been here. You've been raised in the United States the whole time. But it's still. I mean, it sounds like an impact on your life. Oh, absolutely. Lebanese culture is still a regular part of our everyday life. I'm teaching my kids how to make a lot of Lebanese food. I tell people that Ryan has a Lebanese heart. So what does Lebanese food look like? Uh, Lebanese food is fabulous. It's very Middle Eastern diet, you know. Um, Have you heard of hummus? Yeah, I have. (laughs) Tanya likes hummus. I'm not a big fan. Hummus is, um, so my sitho, my Lebanese grandmother taught me for years how to make tons and tons of Lebanese food. And we used to have a mahajan, which is a big three-day festival. And fam- oh, did you really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody took off work and family came wow, that's into, pretty cool. into town from all over and stayed with you for three days. And it was just like one huge family reunion that lasted for days and days. That's cool. I wish my family did that. Yeah. Maybe, what's it called again? Maybe I'll institute that for my family. A mahajan. Okay, so do you make a lot of Lebanese food I now? I do. I make tons of Lebanese and food. And your, your kids like it? Ryan likes it? Oh, yeah. Yep. Well, oh, that's... That's pretty interesting. All right, so you got this culture thing going on that, that you're probably a little different than the people around you, but you're you're growing up. You're not in Lebanon. You're in Stowe, Monroe Falls, Ohio. Right. That's, that's where you've been camped at like most of your childhood? Yep. Okay, so what are your parents doing there? How do they end up there? Um, so my Lebanese family is from Kirby, from Kirby, Lebanon, and when they um, came to um, when they came to Ohio, mostly it was for jobs, you know, labor jobs or good jobs, and the... Um, like my grandparents, even though they weren't forced to marry each other, had a very encouraged, this is who you can marry this family or this family, kind of one of those. And so it was um, it was culturally hard for my dad as he pulled away from um, from choosing to marry someone who is, you know, my mom has a very crazy background, crazy story. She lost her mom when she was really young and had oh, five younger siblings and had a really hard um, upbringing and another family that kind of took her in and loved on her and pointed her to Christ. It was really my mom um, and her testimony and her life that kind of drew my dad to um, committing his life as an adult to Christ. Okay, so let's pause there for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to get into this um, okay. a little bit with your family anyway. So your your parents meet. Mm-hmm. Is your mom a Christian? She's following Jesus when they meet? My mom is a, uh, following Jesus when they meet, but has a total broken Everything about her home was broken. Kind of a shattered background. Very much. But she, but she's found Jesus. But these deep relationships. So her siblings kind of clung together and took care of each other. Um, so family was everything It's kind of like them. all they had was yeah, each other. Yeah, all they had was each other. Okay. Um, and so, and my dad's family is very, very orthodox um, Catholic. Yeah. And so... Um, and they're still, even today, up until years ago, a few years ago when my grandmother died, they're a big part of the Lebanese church in Akron. It's a great church right next to the extension. I didn't even know there so, was one. Yeah, yeah. They have the big Lebanese festival oh, with yeah, all yeah. the flags. So there's like, yeah, three, yeah. There's like, that, there's like three churches you right there. That real, yep. And that's mm-hmm. one of them. And one of the Lebanese churches there. It's a fabulous place. Great people. And so they... Um, but my dad left the Catholic Church. Well, my, so my parents had their wedding was in Arabic. My mom didn't know what was happening. They oh, had wow. a Lebanese in, wedding. And wild. it was kind of like already hard enough for my dad's family to even accept someone from the outside. But it started happening. You know, the, that, um, those first generation kids started like leaving that culture behind on purpose. They were like, my family's weird. Everybody thinks, you know. 
okay, I guess when I leave my home, I need to speak English. And they were kind of like, they they're ready to be Americans. Yes, right. They've been here, right? And so so how, do, how do they meet? Um, they went to high school together. Oh, did they? Middle so, school, I think, yeah. So what school? Uh, Kenmore. They okay. both graduated from Kenmore, and they got married pretty young. And, and your dad's not a Christian when they get married? My dad was like a devout Catholic, okay. you know, and that was tradition and forced, like, from, he was baptized probably when he was a few days old and um, very Catholic, and... Um, and then they had a Catholic Lebanese wedding, and which I've been to a lot of those. They're really long and a lot of fun. I can't even imagine how long it is. I've been to some Catholic ones, right. and I'm, I mean, I was raised in a Protestant church, so just going to a Catholic wedding, I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, so, so a, Catholic a Catholic Arabic wedding. That for, would be something else. <laughs> my poor mom. Uh, so they were married, um, and then my mom had accepted Christ as a as a young child really um with some neighbors that kind of took her in she moved a lot and had a just had a hard time growing up without her mom and she was um, the oldest sister and kind of took care of her siblings and just had to step into the mom role yeah step into the mom role and just didn't have the support that she needed and she is um so she would say that she, she always knew that she was walking with Jesus, but really um, found a small church when they were newly married and started uh, having biblical community there and just walking with Jesus in a real way, real way there. And is that when your father kind of yeah. comes on board and says, yeah. okay, I, I've met, I mean, Jesus now. Yeah. And, and like this, this is going to actually change my life. So are you, are you still not born yet? I don't know. Happening? I don't either. We were young, really babies real or we weren't born. I'm not even sure. So, so you are, by the time you kind of show up on the scene or at least as you're grown up, right. you're grown up in a Christian home. Yep. My parents' faith was what they based our life on. That's cool. So just describe that. Like, what's that look like? You, um, I mean, we talked about your, your Lebanese roots now, but now right. you're in a home that's like both parties are like, Hey, we're about Jesus here. What does that look like for your home? So I think that culture of always having people in and out of our home was a huge part of that because my parents were like, their vision was to be Jesus to everyone around them. Our neighbors, um, their their extended family, all their friends, they knew what they were about. They knew that these this is a standard of living that we want to have because it reflects Christ. It's following the Bible. Um, my dad was very intentional about devotions, like the four of us. So I only have one brother, um, and making that a regular part of our lives, praying with us, talking and reading the Bible together was a regular part of my parents' relationship with us. And so we grew up in a great church. What um, church you go to? I grew up at the chapel. Gotcha. Um, so and we grew up, at, when I was little, before we moved out to Stowe, we, we lived in Kenmore still, and um, we went to... Um, Portage Lakes Christian Church, and that's where my parents really, their relationship with Jesus took fire together. They were part of a small group and a, um, a light, kind of like a life group, and um, built relationships with other believers, and learned how to how, how to walk by faith and how to have Jesus as part of their regular life. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. you, I mean, you're fortunate in that sense of like you grew up in a home where there's just this the seeds of faith being thrown at you all the time. Yeah, and you got to see it in in a healthy way. And uh, that's that's an that's an interesting. Op- I mean, it's a neat opportunity to have that a lot of people don't get, right. especially a lot of people at Grace. You know, it's it's cool that who we're reaching here, and that's a rare story. Right, it's pretty cool. That's yeah. a, what a, what a blessing that is for you. So let me ask you this: Your parents kind of showing you the faith, showing you who Jesus is. They're trying to live that out with your family, your friends, all that. When is it for you that you're like, oh, like? I'm starting to see who Jesus is. This is what I want. When do you start being like, you know what? I, I'm going to follow him. 
So middle school and high school, I, always people at our house. And I started seeing – my parents were um, really strict. I never was allowed to do sleepovers, really. And part of that was my mom's past, her history growing up. She wasn't protected and had um, some abuse happen to her as a child. And so she, they were really strict about that. And so as I became older, you know, and started building deeper relationships, um, even just walking with my own friends, them th- – I remember just vividly them saying – and this is crazy. Like the fact that your parents talk to you, like do life with you, like that's, and I think sometimes that's why they were always at our house. You know, I started seeing, oh, you don't have this kind of relationship with your parents. Something, there's doing some, something about the way that they're walking is right, you know, and um, just I had an awesome youth group experience, an awesome youth pastor. Um, and that's at the chapel? At the chapel, yeah. And an awesome, um, we had, I was part of a, their youth choir and youth music group at the you're chapel. a singer we'll talk about that right? oh you did yeah, a lot yeah. of singing musical theater is my favorite yeah That's cool. um but i would say i had a great group of young women young friends who were strong believers and i think in the public school system and in life we we walked together and you found them what stage of life you're talking like middle, middle school? school wow yep eighth seventh eighth ninth grade that's incredible i mean yeah. i don't know powerful ways to like walk by faith all through high school without temptations of drinking without temptations of smoking just i had a core group of friends who wanted to stand in their faith and who wanted to be light in a dark place and so i just think that was a the biggest blessing ever, you know. That to, is a massive blessing. They're I hope still my wonderful get to have that and blessing. great, fabulous friends. You're still and, good friends with them. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, all right. So you're in that situation. You have all these friends. You got this family. Um, was was high school? Uh, did did you still feel like you know this is hard? Like, oh yeah, yeah. Like and I, you've, and I felt definitely was persecuted and made fun of, and the Christian person and the you know absolutely you know had temptation and and um walked in that but i had and so also along these same roads my so my i was telling eddie before all of my parents have all my parents my parents have a lot of siblings and they all have three sons and so i was also all within like five years too so we're a big group of boys i think there's like 14 or 15 of them and me that's it none of them had daughters that's insane another 14 like when ryan came into our to my life, it was like my all these men, right, that are um, that love me like a sister. You That's know? incredibly intimidating. And so a bunch of us were in high school together, also, you know. And so they were there. At, they were there to do life. You know, a couple of we in the same grade, just a couple weeks apart, a few of us. And so we, I mean, we did each other's homework. We took all the same classes. So a big part of my family life crossed over into my school life as a child as well. So, That's pretty cool. It was a really cool. So, so then you come out of of high school. You graduate from Stowe High School, mm-hmm. and I just learned this about you. So, you go to Kent State University. Mm-hmm. You have a very, very narrow thing you're studying there. What What were you studying? It was like music education, but then also interpretive. Oh, so no, 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 not inter- I started. I started with studying musical theater. I okay. knew I wanted to do something with music or musical. So theater. what? So what does that look like? Musical theater. What? Yeah. When you're studying that in college. What are you hoping? What's the end game there? Um, I don't know. That's why I changed my major, probably. <laughs> I mean, Broadway is like the goal, I think, or any kind of large performance scale. On you know, but you'd been singing like your whole life. Yeah, like you're a good singer. You were singing in middle well, school. Well, I yeah, did all the musicals growing up and Weather Vane and local community theater. I just loved all things musical theater. Yeah, gotcha. so just a 
fun, fun thing. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted, if I was going to get a job, I wanted to work in, in the musical theater world. But did, so do you stay studying that the whole time at no. Kent or do you switch? Mm-mm, no, the Kent theater program now is fabulous. But when I started, it was much more classical. And so, um, and so now they have a full-blown, wonderful musical theater program. Um, but, I, but right away, I also took an ASL class as a foreign language requirement, and I just loved so, it. What, say that again? The, um, American Sign Language. Okay. And I took Sorry, an I'm AS, naive okay. on that. Yeah, I, didn't know yeah. What I took that an meant. ASL class as a language requirement. Just Like I would take Spanish. Right, you got it, and I just loved it. Um, all the teachers who teach ASL at Kent are deaf, and so you just – go right in kind of go right into it there's no it's like the Sink weirdest swim ex- on that one right? right well it's a crazy weird experience because you get to class and it's just silent you know there's there is no talking it out you know it's just these great deaf teachers and them kind of helping you figure that out and so i end up switching my major to um, interpreting educational interpreting so i got it my background it was really education but interpreting is the specialty part of that Where do you meet Ryan and all this? So listen, yeah, we, yeah. we can't hold him out for two. Okay, right. the best part is we met our first day at Kent. You met so Ryan went to Kent too. Went I didn't to, know. I well, didn't know he where started he went. at Kent and then he went to Moody, but we he met because he wasn't a believer. So we went to yes, Kent. Yes, I'm fascinated about yeah, this. Yeah. Tanya was kind of explaining this to me, and this is kind of what I wanted to like land on for a little bit. Yeah, so I, I'm so excited to hear this described. So you meet Ryan first day at Kent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had some mutual friends and we played ultimate frisbee together our first day. I had no intention of, I had never heard of Ultimate Frisbee, um, but they're like, oh, please come, please come. And I was like, oh, I don't really know how to play Ultimate Frisbee, but they're like, it's going to be great. I this show is up. Ryan? No, oh, I haven't met people. Ryan. Just, we had some mutual friends and um, they were from the chapel and he had went run cross country with them, I think is the connection. So I said, okay, I'll show up. I was the only girl. And I thought, I'm never coming back to this. This is so awful. They just said, hey, see that kid, that overweight kid? Just go guard him. I had, I had no idea what was happening. I was lost. I, I don't think I fully understand no. the rules. I just know you run and yeah. throw a frisbee. But we, so then by the end of the practice, by the end of the first day, they were like, you have to go get a bunch of your friends and come back. Because if in order to play in any tournaments at all times on the field, you're required to have two girls. And so and it was then, just you. It, the first day it was just me. Um, and so I was like, oh, okay. Then I, I was like, all right, all right. If I'm not going to be the only girl, I'm, I'll play. And so I brought a bunch of my crazy friends and then we started playing more and more. And that's how we met. But right, we so, were not dating or even interested in each other for oh, quite a while. Like how long are we talking here? Um, well, we used to go on double dates, only we were dating different people. Get out. <laughs> no. And then we'd talk about them behind their backs. <laughs> oh, that is a riot. Well, I mean, I feel like, so in one corner, there's you. You are almost coming from this, I mean, I, it's not perfect, but you, you in this environment of like right. your childhood, I mean, it's it's what every one of us wants for our children. I mean, you're in a Christian environment, you have Christian friends, you've walked with Jesus in middle school and high school, and now you're there, you have friends. And then in the other corner, we have Ryan. Well, I would say I, so my first semester at Kent w- would be the time, if I had a time of rebellion. So I was like, okay, if I'm, if, am I, is this going to be who I am? Am I going to be this? It's, it's, all, it's on you now. Yeah. Parents are gone. Let's figure out yeah. who I am. And my parents like would meet me for dinner on Wednesday nights and like just be a part of my adult, try to like engage me as an adult, you know? And they were always very supportive. But I, so I, then I, I dated this guy 
for a couple months my freshman year of college didn't love didn't know Jesus didn't love Jesus um and like I my my dad thank goodness he was as strong and put this in a nice in his um aggressive way I mean he's like he's not welcome here my dad find like he was he laid the law down yeah you know and my mom was like everybody needs Jesus let's love that the, they were who they were you know but I just it I'm more like my dad you know in personality and so um I'm thankful for his strength and his authority and his fight for me you know to to fight to say this person is not for you this person is not worthy of you this person is you know um and so then that ended praise jesus for that um so when's yeah when's ryan walk into the picture so he's also um dating someone and then we had a a freshman year we had a class together too not the first semester the second semester um and it was an ethics class actually and ryan (laughs) uh, he told me he was never getting married he didn't believe in marriage in that class (laughs) this is great um he told me he thinks he met the person he is in love with and at another time um or the most beautiful person he's ever seen that's the quote um and you still hold it over his head (laughs) not not usually no um and then he uh, so i love that he like he just was honest he had watched divorce happen amongst his own family he had um just seen the shrapnel in his own life that is caused from divorce and so he just didn't believe in marriage but this frisbee team is not your typical like hey let's hang out it was like way too intense it was like three practices a week so it's a full-on commitment you're like a varsity sport almost (laughs) except for i'm not very athletic um it's indoor all through the winter it's intense like crazy crazy commitment so um so i think just i'm i hope that like through that first year ryan knew like i don't know if we actively talked about it a ton but he knew um that I was a believer. And then often at these ultimate frisbee parties that they would have because it wasn't just like, you know. This is a real deal uh, sport. It was a real deal sport. Ryan would be sober and I would be sober. And we would and be, That's about it. That and about it. And so we just like would cultivate towards one another and that's how our friendship started. You start talking. We'd be the only sober people and then we would just get to know each other more. So Okay. So let me ask you this. So when you start dating, Mhm. Where's Ryan at spiritually? Okay, so we had kind of like that. There's a little break in between um, outdoor and indoor as the weather changes or whatever, or the season. It's like from Christmas to January. I don't, I don't remember. This is like twenty years ago, so don't don't quote me. Um, I just remember there's one indoor practice where we're we're running. You know, run a mile before you run ten miles at practice. You know, and he ties up his shoes and he catches up and he runs next to me. He's like, Lori, Lori, I got saved. Just out of nowhere. Just out of nowhere. So are you da- you're not dating? No, no huh? No, I was going to say, because something had to happen before your dad let him in the house, We're right? not dating anybody, you okay. know? And he, he is so excited to tell me this. So he knows that I'm a believer at this yeah. point, you know? And he knows that I'm... In- I remember things like, I can't come to that because I'm... I'm committed to this thing at the chapel. You know, by that, by this time in our relationship, I had like really dived back into the college ministry and was like, this is what my life is about, you know? And so he runs up and he, he doesn't even know what he's talking about, right? He's like, Lori, Lori, I got saved. And I'm like, that's awesome. So we're running two miles and he's like kind of telling me this story. And then over, I'd say the next three months, Ryan's life was like radically changed. Every week he was so amped up about something every week. Um, so Jeff was leading, um, pastor Jeff was leading, um, uh, the very brand new 
new perspective college group that met at so the would cafe. this have been Ezra and him Ezra wasn't here yet Ezra wasn't even here yet I don't think no, Ezra wasn't here yet. So this is the cafe across the street from the South, the Norton campus. They called it the South Campus then. Um, and there was a little cafe. Bath Gent Road wasn't didn't start the new Bath Campus from two thousand one or whatever. I can't. Don't quote me on that. There's the a lot going yeah, on. Yeah. yeah. So, but Jeff was leading a Bible, just really a Bible study, and I think it was Ryan's first church experience, right? And so he didn't come to church. He just came to Jeff's Bible study. How does he land there in the first place? So his buddy, Joe, that is on our roof today, he said to him, like, Ryan had just walked through this very, over the last six months of his life, he had walked through, like, everything I try, I'm not content. I try to find, like, Val, he's just came to the place, what am I getting out of bed for? Like... I can make a bunch of money. I don't feel happy. I can, he just, he couldn't find peace. So he just opened up to his buddy and he's like, I know, I know what you're looking for. And just kind of shared the gospel with him That's on a awesome. car, on a road trip. And they pulled over and Ryan accepted Christ in the car. They prayed together. And then they kind of, even though Joe had grown up, I think, with, I don't know his whole past story, but they kind of started their adult faith journey together. So your dad, who I admire and I've never met, but I admire his protection of you because that's how I want to be for my three girls. He knows Ryan is, is, he's, he's learning who Jesus is and he's, he knows that he's falling in love with them. So does he just kind of open arms like you're welcome or how do they treat him? My parents, I cannot, I thought this was normal, but they like came to my college club games to watch Ultimate Frisbee. They're like, who are those two old people? I was like, oh, that's just my parents because you know. They're just the best. Oh, I hope I'm not like that. But yeah, they would come to our ultimate Frisbee club games at Hiram or other colleges. They would drive to just come cheer us on. Like wow, the only- that's dedication. <laughs> and so my parents had met Ryan multiple times over the last two years, you know, and then they, he came over for Easter and it was like all these crazy Lebanese guys, right? Um, one of them said, what's that guy doing here? Is he eating with us? You know, and he's <laughs> like, oh, you know, poor guy. Um, but my parents already kind of had enough, had met him enough times. And I think it was just the Lord's favor. My dad always loved and respected Ryan from, from the very beginning. That's pretty cool. It so is. he's a new, he's a new Christian. You've kind of been raised in a family where the, your dad's a pretty strong believer. Um, he's definitely leading the house. So what are your expectations of Ryan as a new believer, to be like, all right, if, as we start dating and things start getting serious here, what were your expectations for him to lead like you and your future home? Oh, so like that now that we're late, more serious in our relationship? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's fast forward. Okay. So you meet, we don't need to yeah, go yeah. through your entire dating history, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll just say, all right, like things have gotten serious now. Like this, this is happening. He's a new believer. You're not a new believer. You're from a very Christian home. You've seen yeah, yeah. what a, a, a dad who loves Jesus looks like and how he leads his family. And now Ryan's going to take that role, it looks like, in, in your life as you guys are transitioning to that. What are your expectations for him in that? Yeah, so that my dad is very much a strong, I'm in charge, I lead this way, here's what we're doing, here's how it is. And Ryan and my dad are pretty much polar opposites in personality. Um, yeah, that doesn't seem like Ryan that I know when you describe no, that. Nope. And so I think even those first few years of marriage, I had to figure out 
how am I, you know, how to, what does biblical submission in my marriage look like? What, it was easy to know what my dad's expectations were. Um, and Ryan is very, um, very good at love and kindness, you know, and, and very good at communication. Sometimes I'm more like, this is how it is. And Ryan is much more, um, yeah, he leads with love and gentleness. And so that was definitely a transition for me. Um, I think it's awesome and it's definitely healthier in, in a lot of ways um, for, for lots of reasons. All right, so let's talk about marriage. I know marriage is important to you, and we can talk a little bit about uh, you and Ryan's marriage and also just marriage in general. Because you guys got married young. We did. Uh, were you 21 or something Almost. like that? Almost. You were 20. We were 20. How old is Ryan? How, he, we, were, we were only one week apart. Oh, so, so we were like both right 20, and then two weeks later, we both turned 21. So you guys weren't renting a car for like four years. Nope. Tanya and I got married young, too. I was, I got married. I was 22. I think she was 21. Right. We were, we were young. Right. Um, and people would always say, like, you guys are really young and this and that. And, and you know, as I look back on it, I'm actually really thankful that we got married young. Um, and listen, if you get married older, that's, that's cool too. Sure. But for us, it was like one of the things that I took a, as a blessing from it was we never brought really two like adult lives together and tried to figure out how to make them work. Yep. We just kind of were kids that got married and tried to figure out adult life together. Yep. And so we never had like two beds. It was like, we just had a bed. Yep. We, just like little stuff like that. We never merged to two adult lives. We right. just be, kind of became adults together. Um, so when you guys get married, what, what is what are you guys doing there? So, what's your job? What is Ryan working for the church at we this were point? You're still both in college. Still in college. Yeah. Same. Same here. We were, we were going to be seniors in college, and people thought that was insane. It is insane. Yeah. A little bit, you know. But if you know that that's you're going to make it work, you're going to make it work. Want to um, hear an incredible story? Yeah, yeah. So I'm. Um, I had like one girlfriend in high school. Dated for a couple of years, and after that, I, I didn't really have any girlfriends. And then I was just all about basketball. That's all I cared about was basketball, basketball, basketball. And, like, I liked girls, but not, like, I just didn't have time. And so I, I start dating Tanya. I notice her. I start dating her at school. And, like, I was, like, just floored, like, right away. This is insane. I wrote her parents a letter two weeks after I met her, two weeks, and told them that we were going to get married and I would take care of her the, for the rest of their lives and I wanted them to know my intentions. Two weeks. Oh my Isn't that unbelievable? <laughs> if someone did that to me, I would kill them. Right, yeah. But they were, like, the coolest. I, I sat down with them. They were, like. That's awesome. And we never – so we started dating. Uh, we went out on a Friday night, and then we watched an Ohio State game on a Saturday. And then she helped me with some school stuff on Sunday. And then we watched a movie on Monday, and we've never been apart. Wow. So when you know, you know. That was – we've been together 10 years – or we've been married for 10 years, so that was like 12 years ago. When you know, you know. And we knew young. And so we just hopped in. So I, I feel like we're like team uh, young marriage, you and I. So what are you doing, though? So you finished college. I guess what I'm getting at is like, how do you transition into Ryan coming here? Because I want to talk about what that looks like for your marriage. Yeah, yeah. That was hard for sure. Ryan was interning at Grace. So so what's the hardest part of that? He, and even in the next couple of years as he's transitioning onto staff and getting a role here, as, as a young couple, you're married, you're in the ministry now. You're both in the ministry. I mean, that that's a, you're a united being now. You're mm-hmm. like one person basically. What's that look like? It was hard in a sense that like we had to like scrap to make it work. You know, we had we started this. Um, we hadn't taken any financial. I mean, Jeff did great premarital for us about marriage, about ministry. Jeff was very instrumental in helping our marriage be successful from the beginning. Um, talking about how to protect our marriage, how, how to set boundaries for our marriage, how to 
um, which was hard with my a very overwhelming always around family. Yeah, your family didn't have boundaries. Oh, none. Zip, zero, zilch boundaries. And if you try to give them boundaries, their feelings were hurt, you know. And so um, it's it was a huge part of the first year of our marriage and Grace Church ministry opportunities. This It was a very small church. So, yeah, I was on worship team on the weekends, taught second grade Sunday school, helped Ryan and I were part of the leadership team for New Perspective. Ryan worked here and was an intern and was going to college. We were both in school, both had other jobs. You know, Ryan worked at Allstate. Uh, I worked I at Starbucks that. so that we could have health benefits. You know, we all always were make scrapping to Sounds make like grinding. And oh yeah, yeah. We made we we got these paper envelopes and we would cash system our envelopes every like the week. Dave Ramsey oh, stuff. But this is long before we knew of Dave Ramsey. Now we love Dave Ramsey stuff. But yeah, we would put fourteen dollars in there for our electric bill, thirty five dollars. You know, and then we we'd go to Applebee's. Um, at 9 p.m. on Monday nights with people for the half, for price, half appetizer. price appetizer so we could like invite people and disciple them and have do ministry together and yeah that's wild so you should have come out with that system you guys right. would be I know, just living on envelopes. a beach in retirement right doing exactly what we're not supposed to No, but look at you guys now you're doing doing the real work um so what, let's talk about life now what's the hardest part you would say about life as a married couple now that's doing ministry and especially as Ryan's kind of taken on more and more here. Um, well, I would say, so ministry was hard for me at first. We were so young. We had such a young marriage. Um, and people, Ryan is just great at leadership. He's just a natural at, at, even before he was following Jesus, he was leading his friends somewhere. Not leading them to Jesus, but leading them somewhere. He's all, he's great at leadership. People follow him. Right. Yeah. And so now, like once he's pointing them to something with a purpose, you couldn't stop him. He was always so excited about his passions, you know? And so I remember those, it was, ministry was hard in that beginning time because it took, there wasn't a lot of time for us to work on marriage. And so then um, Jeff talked to us about this 412 ministry opportunity and it, it changed our marriage completely. So, so what is 412? Describe that for uh, 412 was, is, um, it was a ministry training program. So students would come and get a year of college and a ton of ministry experience for a year. So it was a one-year Bible and ministry training program. And we worked together. So we had one car. We worked at the Norton office. We traveled the world. We spent every waking minute together. And we absolutely loved it. And that was good for you. Oh, it was the best thing ever. So we like for it like forged us into ministry together. And it rocked our marriage and grew our marriage in powerful ways so that's part of why i have i just i value being married and striving to have an awesome marriage so so much so do you do you feel like you guys would still say it's it's hard now or would you um, say you've kind of i don't want to say arrived but you've gotten to the point where you've gotten past a lot of the initial difficulties and you figured out kind of like what life looks like that you guys are just like yeah this is life and I don't feel like it's a struggle anymore yeah I would even say during 412 it came to where it was like man being married to you is the best thing in the whole world that's really cool you know like it's the yeah and I sometimes I want to I need to give that back to the Lord and like thank you for this great gift you know because I know it can be so hard but being married to Ryan is is not very hard 
you know. And That's I, what I always say about yeah, Tanya. It's, it's like, the best. She's just so kind to me. It's like very easy. <laughs> like if oh. if she ever has a bad day, I'm like, what is going on? Right, you know? right, yeah. So, yeah, thank, I'm thankful for that gift because there's a lot of other hard stuff in that one, you know. We, we've been married um, for 16 years. 16 so. years. Yeah. So, Just keeps getting better. And we're going to add to that now, okay. into that chaos. You got four kids. Right, we do. So you got four kids. You have uh, uh, Uriah is 11, mm-hmm. Isabella's 10, Eden's 8, and Olive is 6. Yes. So let me ask you this. You love being a mom, don't you? What's your What's your favorite part oh. of... Of being a mom and having a family? My favorite part of being a mom. I think just knowing who they are the most, you know, that privilege of knowing them. I think I know them the most, you know. I So we're, this is part of our faith story for sure. And our hardship in marriage is we struggled with infertility um, for almost five years. We always That's argue about, time. Ryan says four years, I say five years, but whatever. It's a big blur. But we just, just, uh, failed pregnancy test after failed pregnancy test and and we didn't i mean we just didn't have financial means to pursue yeah infertility and all that the treatment for that and so it just was very um painful and i would say that walking through that um did make our marriage a lot stronger and i think it was because of the way ryan chose to love me you know and so talk about that because i i think this is a really uh cool spot to kind of park at for a minute because um you know in high school you're taught if you have sex with a girl or a boy whatever you're gonna have a baby right and then you get so you you just think that and then you get married and you're like oh yeah let's have a kid this year and then all of a sudden you're on year three and you're just pregnancy test after pregnancy test you're like what is going on and this just seems like such a common experience i mean i know we had that for like a year and we're like what is going on it i mean, felt like forever and tanya would go into the bathroom and she'd come out like with tears in her eyes and and I and I remember being like, I don't even know what to do here. So how did Ryan love you through that? Ugh, it was not easy. And I think at that time in our marriage, everybody at Grace was having kids, and they were saying, just drink the water. It's in the water. You know, certain things that you're like you- we are drinking the water. It's not working. <laughs> right, right. Um, and I I read this book called Hannah's Hope that was really um, super helpful to me in just putting words to all the things that I was feeling. And so I had, Ryan actually helped. I I remember being like, I need you to read this one page at a time with me and so that I can actually explain to you what's happening up here. So he was helping you essentially process. Yeah. You were processing it for the first time and just kind of, he was involved in that. And he didn't know how to love me. He in ministry would have been enough, like was enough for him, you know? And I'm like, this is just not all that, God's made me to do and it was really Pastor Bob because our office Bob Combs that's yeah, the guy that yeah yeah our office was at was at the Norton campus and Bob Combs would come in there and one day right in front of me he just got right and he didn't have any um conception of personal space like he'd spit on you when he'd speak and he got right in Ryan's face and kind of yelled at him very seriously like your the desire you better give your wife the desires of her heart real aggressive you know and ryan's like oh my goodness i better do something about this and take it for the seriousness that it is and i just um yeah so and they told us you have a less than two percent chance of ever having kids so you got some tests done and stuff like that all that and uh we went home and i was um Leading worship, it was a Sunday. It was Easter, another Easter, years later. And I remember as the the set was just killer. And I knew I was just really walking and struggling with this. And um, 
they told you not to pretest from the things that they were, and I pretested at home on Easter morning and the test was negative and I had to go lead worship in the morning. And then Monday morning we had this follow-up appointment and our numbers were like off the charts and we were pregnant. That's wild. And Ryan stood up in this little tiny room with this bushy haired bang lady and put his arms up and said, vindicated. And, (laughs) um, just praise God in their office and we left and then we had four kids in five years that's wild so. let me ask you this if you could give because i know um i know there's going to be women listening to this that are going yeah, yeah. through that now what what kind of encouragement would you offer to them i think they need to find someone to talk to about i i just held it all in and then i god gave me this awesome relationship with a lady who worked at starbucks she wasn't from grace she um has come has come to grace since but she had walked all the infertility stuff before me and it was someone to ask all my crazy questions to who had done these procedures who had either had miscarriages or just couldn't get pregnant and i think just having someone to ask questions to or someone to talk to um that had walked it was so helpful to me and I was so glad like or before that I I people tried to talk to me about it and I just I wasn't I couldn't talk about it especially to even to the people close to me you know but this was an outside person who it didn't affect them whether or not I was going to have a baby or not and they had just walked through years of infertility so just mm. they need to talk to someone you yeah. can talk they can talk to me you talk to you look her up yeah um oh. no I I Oof. I know that that that's a such a tough topic. I'm I, my so Tanya has one brother and he's eight years older than her. Um, so him, he and his wife are a little bit older than us. But they had walked for years and years and years, and they just could not get pregnant. And then they got pregnant. And they had she had several miscarriages in a row. And I, it was hard because I didn't. There was nothing that I could ever say. And I'm not like super close to them. They live in Tennessee. I don't see them a ton. But it was enough that I could always understand. And Tanya would always talk about like. There's a there's a pain in Kim. Her name's Kim. There's a pain in her eyes that I can't associate with. It. I have nothing to give her for that. Like there's nothing. I I don't know what to do or how to even talk. And sometimes I'd almost feel like pins and needles, especially when we get pregnant the first time. And there there's a sense where she was so honest about it. She was like, "I'm so happy for you," and yet she had to go upstairs and cry. Yeah. And like that's okay. Yeah. And that was okay for her. That was her processing this and thinking like god why can i not do this and they they were never they were never able to have a baby um and then finally this year they actually adopted a little girl um i haven't got to meet her yet i get to meet her next month and tanya's seen her and because they live way down there um a little hispanic girl uh, louisa she's beautiful though and uh and there's just like hearing hearing their journey through that is the same thing of like she she was going through something that she needed somebody to be there with her for. And she, it was a, like a very specific amount of people that could be there yep. for her and to, to walk with her in that. And this then, lady told me, you don't have to go to people's baby showers anymore. That's okay. I'm like, I can't okay. go to another baby shower from, for someone that I just couldn't do it, you know? And whew. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I think you probably know this. Um, a lot of listeners probably don't is that um, we have, we had two girls, Tanya and I, and then we we're like, hey, let's have a third, and we'll be done. And then um, we had a stillbirth, yeah. uh, our third, our third baby. We were just everything's going normal. We go to our twenty week ultrasound, and uh, right away they're like, uh, so this would have been like two years ago, I think. Um, I have it on my necklace here. Sometimes I forget the years; they all blur together. Um, yes, 
16. So um, we go to the ultrasound and like some stuff's really wrong. And I remember sitting in that moment, like it was the longest ultrasound of ever because we'd been to two of right, them. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, Tanya and I are like, why is this taking so long? And they're and not she, saying And they're not much. saying anything. Yeah. She walks out of the room and I was like, Tanya was like, was that super weird? And I was like, yeah, I don't understand. And then the doctor came in and he took a deep breath and you just knew like, all right, my life is going to change here. And w- at that point, um, they were like, uh, we found some stuff. We're really concerned that the baby isn't having lung growth and stuff like that. And we're not sure if there's some skeletal dysplasia stuff. They even thought like, hey, if this baby lives, it might be like a full-fledged dwarf. Like, what does this look like? And I remember just this feeling of like, what in the world? And then we go home and fast forward, like we're doing all these tests and stuff for like a couple months. And then like right at third trimester, we go in and for an appointment, there's no heartbeat. And so uh, we had to go to, it's far enough along, you have to go deliver your child. And so we um, we had both of our girls with us. And so um, grandma and grandpa came and grabbed her and we um, we went to Akron and we delivered our son. And so I have three girls that are alive. We have Benson, who we've never met alive, um, and we delivered him. And he was not alive, but he looks just like a little boy. I mean, he comes out, and it's a little boy. And there's a mourning in that that I don't know. I, I didn't know how to process that. I didn't know how to deal with it. Um, and there's just such hurt in that. And I found that, like, that was the first time to bring this back around. Like, Tanya and I were like, I think I understand Kim better. Right? Like, this... Like, she hasn't been through this exact scenario, but, like, this is what she's felt all this time. And uh, and I think that changed our relationship a little bit with her. We, we were able to understand her better. And I think she probably for the first time looked at us, who had just been popping out all these healthy, beautiful girls, and was like, they understand me. Yeah. And uh, and that was a really difficult time. And that's something that um, it caused me to ask a lot of questions about God. Mm-hmm. And it, like, are you good? Like, why? Like, why are you, like, what is your plan here? Like, I don't understand how this happens. Like, is this an accident? Is this sin? Like, all these really deep questions I had to really face for a couple years. And and I remember, um, I remember, like, right after we found this out, we were at church here and, and we're singing, like, so we found on a Friday, Sunday, we're here at church. And uh, Ezra's singing, you're a good, good father. And, I, and we were just sobbing, trying to sing these words. And I could not sing these words because I'm in a place of hurt that I've never been. And, uh, and then fast forward a little bit later, like a year and a half later or whatever. And, uh, a couple of weeks ago I'm in there and I'm holding Shay cause she was cranky in the uh, nursery. So we went and got her and I'm holding Shay and Ezra pops up and the last song is you're a good, good father. And so I'm holding Shay and instantly every time I hear that song, I flash back to that moment when I'm just broken in despair. And, uh, and I'm sitting there and I see these words, you're a good, good father. And I'm like, golly, like you are. Like you are, it's like so good. Like I, I didn't see it then. I was so confused, and now I'm holding Shay on the other side of this, and I'm like, "You're in your sovereign plan, which I don't understand." Like you had her on the other side, and I have her, and I also believe with all my heart that I have Benson too. So I'm like, what I looked at is like this utter failure. Is like you actually gifted me another child because I always wanted three, so we probably would never have had Shay who's just this little light of the world. And so it's like, I get to walk out of this singing, like you are so good because you gave us both. It's, it's, I mean, it, it's, it breaks you a little oh, bit, you know, it was a, you give and you take away, but blessed be your name yeah. was the song that killed me during those years. It's like, am I going to really believe that? Am I going to really call you blessed and believe that whether you, 
whether you bless us with a child or not, like that you're still God and that you're still good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. talk about your family that you have now yeah um what that looks like for you guys for for the roadman family um your intentionality your discipling of the kids that god's blessed you with um you have such a cool environment that you were raised in what do you what do you bring from that and what does your home environment look like like i guess the question would be what are the roadmans trying to do in their home with their children to say in this house we're following jesus so our kids are, uh, like one of the ways that we're intentionally doing that is homeschooling them, which is crazy. Um, so you're, because Ryan's working. Ryan's working. So you are homeschooling them. I'm homeschooling. Ryan's still like, he. De- we're doing, we do this really cool thing that we, we call the power hour and he'll do that with us a lot on, when he's around on Thursday or on a weekend. So what's the power hour? It looks different all the time, but it's like right now we're, the kid, we're memorizing a chunk of Exodus and Ryan will teach through a little mini, pa- uh, it's got the whiteboard out. The whiteboard. He just loves lives, the whiteboard, doesn't he? he lives in our family. And so, um, and he'll kind of draw it out or write out whatever, however he wants to teach it. And then we'll work through memorizing it. And usually it goes to music. Um, we'll do some worship together and we'll. Um, and often those, it comes out of like Ryan. So Ryan spent, you know how he's super intentional. He, we made these like roadman core values and, um, we're just going to, with our last name, it's super cheese bomb. Um, and we're just like teaching through those, like the same, the same core values over and over and over and over every year. So it'll always be the same. And hopefully how many do you have? Um, we have R O D E. Oh, you went through all of them. Yeah. Wow. All right, share a couple. Oh, of them. I don't know. Okay. Um, not through all. You don't. You okay, because I won't remember them all. Yeah. Um, not like just a couple remember. things that you're trying to. Teach yeah, and so weirdly, we just took the words that we want and the values that we have, and then tried to find synonyms for the letters that are in our name. You know. Um, so we wanted like intentionality to, and just like the um, part of taking. So o, o is for ownership, like taking initiative and taking because that's part of me. I'm bi- I'm big into training. I want my kids to be tra- practically trained and raised up um, to be full functioning adults and and just like being part of the team. We, Ryan was teaching about Exodus yesterday, or not Exodus uh, Ephesians yesterday, and he was talking about how. Um, you can't how what the the definition of grace right and how we can't earn favor with god we can't earn our salvation and just because we do church things doesn't earn us good work good works aren't going to earn us our salvation yeah just like if our neighbor kid came down came over and said oh i'm going to start doing some chores here i'm going to take out your trash and then i'm going to be part of your family yeah like, that's not how it works you kid. don't yeah right like you don't but like because we're part of the family because we have been um because we've been adopted into this family of christ then we do good works as like a thank you like just trying to so he was just teaching about that and the piece of ownership is just something we're trying to train them up in on a daily basis you know and so like they all have regular work that they have to do just because like chores yeah chores and like even the relational work like you're not allowed to do that to your sibling because yeah. that's not how we do it you know yeah. and 
Um, so, so a lot of intentionality, which parent, I think parenting is a ton of work. Don't it get, is so hard, isn't it? It is the hardest thing ever. It, it really is. I mean, it is the hardest thing I wish thing I could ever. sit here and say, yeah, it's super easy, you know, and it is a ton of work, but I don't, I just, I don't know, the cultural, um, the cultural value of motherhood has been squashed over the years. And so I just always want to be a huge advocate for, I net like Ryan always fights against the helps me fight against the phrase of oh I'm quote just a stay-at-home mom that's like garbage to me you know um you can't you couldn't you couldn't value that enough in my humble opinion you know um yeah so Tanya like Tanya works uh Mondays Tuesdays and every other Saturday and I work I do anesthesia at a hospital so I'm fortunate I work they're long days I work two 16-hour days like I leave the house at 5 30 and I come home at 11 um, and then one day is just a normal day, but I only work three days a week. But in those other days, I have the kids, all three girls by myself for like a day or two, a, like a week. And I kid you not, it is so much harder than going Thank to work you. for the entire I, day. Can you put that in writing? I, I will write that down. There's <laughs> days I wake up and I'm staring at a 16 hour shift at the hospital. I'm like, oh, thank God I get to go to work because <laughs> these kids are just draining me, you know? And yeah, so yeah. I definitely, I would be the first one to step forward and say, to say someone is just a stay-at-home mom is maybe the most absurd thing I've ever heard uh, in my entire life. Yeah. I mean, you guys do so much. I like for my wife and stuff. I look at her when I'm gone all day for like a 16-hour day. Like she's at war. I basically like you went to war for the day right? and you you won. And I tell you what, like I can say my life today is way easier than it was when I had kids your, like a couple years ago. My yeah. life is I have like space to think full thoughts you know and make full sentences and I can like all right I'm gonna go take a shower don't break any you know it's so life is way easier yeah I'm still in the phase where I take a shower and one of the kids yeah. is knocking on the outside like dad what are you doing come out <laughs> I'm like honey like g- get out of the bathroom I-, I need five minutes to take a shower like that's the phase yeah, that I'm in that's what kind yeah. of encouragement would you offer to the moms oh. that are still in that phase Get help and don't be afraid to ask for help and lower your expectations of yourself. And it's okay to have cereal for dinner. You know, uh, if your husbands could be gracious, you deserve a lot of grace. Yeah. Man. Oof, I love are... cereal for dinner. Personally, I could eat like cinnamon toast crunch for dinner probably like three nights a week. So I'd be oh, fine with that. Yeah. Well, it's not the healthiest of choice, but yeah, I just, I remember calling Ryan or saying, shooting a quick text and saying there, there's no dinner today. Don't know what it, there's going to be, but uh, there was a, there was a year where Ryan, I was going to strangle him. He was like, you know what? I'm going to visit all the life groups this year. Oh man. And there was like, I don't know how many. And they're all at night, which is oh, the all at epitome night. of war when you have little kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and, Tanya and I, like if... If one of us wants to do something, if you ask to do it between 6.30 and 7.30, it better be like the utmost importance <laughs> or it could not have gone at some other time. Like if I told her, hey, I have a podcast. I think I'm going to do it sometime in the afternoon or whatever. And then I'm like, nah, I'm just going to do it at 6.30. You'd be like, what? Right. 6.30 is that's, the, that's yeah, when we go to war. Everyone needs to take a shower. Everybody needs baths. Everybody needs, It's just a lot of work. Now I don't care what you yeah. do at 6.30. But it's at like, 6.30, 7 o'clock, he's like, I'm going to visit all the life groups. In a year. In a year. In one year. And I was like, oh, why in one year? This is going to put me over the edge. Um, and we had, I think we had probably three kids, four and under at that time. And it just, 
it did drown me, you know? Yeah. And I, that was where I would say the, that was the, probably the hardest. And I was like, I need help. I had to come to, to Ryan and say, I tend to be pretty high capacity, you know, and can swing a lot. But I was like, I need, I need you to help me around here, you know? And he more than graciously stepped up to the plate. I love what you said there too. Um, Paraphrasing a little bit was just like, give yourself some grace. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, cause you're not like I, the other night, Nola and Lena both woke up like once or twice. It's like, I have to get up and go work for 16 hours. It's like two in the morning. I'm staring at this alarm clock and I'm like, I went in there and I was so grumpy to him and I felt so bad the next day. And, uh, and I apologized to Nola. I sent her a little video on the phone. I was like, Hey babe, you know, I'm sorry. I was so grumpy with her. She didn't remember. Right. You know, and it's just like so much, they have so much grace and easy easy to forgive at that age but sit on the floor i used to hate playing that your eye would want to play hours of he just he wasn't a kid that would like he, he just wanted to play animals he was obsessed with he would hold lions and want you to sit there and roar for hours and i was like i'm gonna lose my mind oh, let's just watch the lion king again oh yeah obsessed with all things lion so yeah those were the hardest years ever but I'm really thankful that we fought for discipline and discipleship in the young years because it's already it's already paid off. You know, they just yeah. Our you started are- young and made it just a point of their life. So when um, when do you decide? Because I think you would say it's uh, been a big decision in your guys' life. Like your family discipleship is the homeschooling. Yeah. So how does that like? What does that conversation look like with you and Ryan? Because Ryan wasn't homeschooled. You weren't homeschooled. No. Huh. When do you be like, hey? I think instead of sending them to school and giving myself the day free all the time, I'm right, just right. going to keep them home with me. Yeah. So he, um, this is after Saturday nights had started. We had Saturday night services and Ryan has, um, often teaches Grace College classes on Saturday mornings. It's kind of like eight weeks on, eight weeks off, however they work, but he teaches a couple of those a year and, um, and Sunday's a work day, you know? And so it's we, full day. right. So we kind of thought we really value having Thursday as a family and if we really want to have a day as a family we can't our kids can't go to school you know and so that was where the conversation started because daddy works the weekends right I remember Jeff saying that before like for us like we don't like for us we looked at it and we're like hey if I work Saturday and Sunday when am I going to see my kids right and that's kind of where it started as our kids become more independent and don't desire that I think well we only decide one year at a time I love. So well, you just reevaluate every year. Yeah. Is this work? Is this serving our family? Is this serving? Is this making ministry in the culture of our family work? So yes, this is working, and we value our like the freedom. If we if we lock ourselves into a school system, we lose that piece of freedom in our life. Right now, we do school on Saturday or Sunday. A, a chunk of that happens over the weekend because Ryan's gone anyways. Typically, that makes perfect sense. And so it makes our family work and. Right now, it's how we make how we make the um, help keep that healthy culture of time with dad. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Last question, and this is the one we're going to ask everybody at the end of end of the show. Why do you love Jesus? Why do I love Jesus? Because if I didn't, my whole world would be awful and ruined, and I'd be lost. Jesus is the only reason that I can do life the way we do it. Amen. That's awesome. Well, Lori, thanks for giving us your time. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Yep.